0: welcome to the first edition of the Skeptics Bootcast. I'm your host Robert Lee. Let's talk about YouTuber Mark, his misuse of mathematics and his attack on science. To answer the question, who is Morg, what we first need to do is ask ourselves, what do you get if you take misunderstood mathematics, half-baked new-age pseudo-philosophy and cult leader-like intensity, and wrap it in Alice Cooper-style makeup, plank a Barbie's wig on it and stick it on YouTube, you get Morg, a self-professed guru who wants to tell you how mathematics shapes reality. He says he wants to lead you into what he seems to claim is a new paradigm of reality called hyperianism. Sorry, guys. Uh, It's quite hard to pronounce. Or at least that's what he says he wants to do. Others may suggest he wants to fill your head with pseudo-intellectual claptrap in an effort to get your money. They may also suggest that his pseudo-religion is so vague and nebulous that it's clear that Mark's making it up as it goes along. Some may also say that during the course of Mark's video, you'll actually learn nothing about how you can support him on Patreon. In fact, if you bung him $25 per video, he'll swallow a sword for you. But what does he expect you to swallow in return? This may seem a bit random for a guru such as Mark to be offering, but it's a callback to his previous occupation as a quote-unquote sideshow freak. I'm not even kidding here. At a time presumably prior to his Great Awakening, Morg worked as what he calls a shock artist, hammering nails through his tongue on the Venice Beach sidewalk as a member of the Venice Beach Freak Show troupe. Morg seems to be heavily inspired by the work of Arthur Mike Hockney when it comes to his pseudo-religion, who also operates under a series of pseudonyms, including but not limited to Michael Faust, Adam Weishaupt. But why so many pseudonyms? I suspect it's related to Hockney's desire to establish a a Pythagorean Illuminism as a one true religion. It's easier to do if several people are writing about it rather than just one, hence the creation of various pseudonyms. In particular, the similarities include Mark placing a heavy emphasis on Euler's equation, as does Hockney. The only difference being Hockney refers to the equation as the God equation, while Morg calls it the soul equation. Barring this, their interpret their interpretations are uniquely nonsensical, and it feels like the difference in non is entirely cosmetic. Also, Morg describes his religion as, quote-unquote again, the one true religion and emphasises its basis in rationality and mathematics, as does Hockney, with his religion. All four have the same grammatical style, favour the same kind of imagery and quote extensively from the same authors and philosophers. They also hold that both science and orthodox religion should be held in contempt by the general public. This is despite heavily referencing Christianity, Hockney, Faust and having written several books among them regarding Christianity and Mark quoting from the Book of Enoch. Essentially, the, same, the two systems are the same, barring some jargon. What it's worthwhile to do first, before we look at Marx's attack on science and how he he intends to destabilize everything we've learnt thus far in studies such as physics, it's worth looking at how he misrepresents one of the most important foundations in mathematics. I can't emphasise enough: if you've not studied maths, if you've not studied physics, Euler's equation is perhaps one of the most vital elements of those disciplines. The way Monk takes Euler's equation and uses it to justify utter fucking bullshit is disgusting if you've studied Euler's equation, especially the way, it's especially sickening the way he takes Richard Feynman's quote regarding Euler's form, formula or Euler's identity to be more precise as our jewel. Mark frequently throughout his work takes the quote from physicists, philosophers, great authors and scientists and uses it to justify Hyperionism, which is utter, utter crap. It's laughable, really. The idea that these people, these, it's taken years to study a particular discipline and reach the level of learning they have. There's a reason they're, quote, there's a reason the things they've said have been held in high regard. As if someone like Richard Feynman, a man of science, who simplified learning so well and so elegantly would support something like Hyperianism. Why is Euler's formula or Euler's identity held in such high regard? Well, mathematicians have five fundamental numbers or constants that occur throughout nature. That's E, I, pi, 1, and 0. Euler's equation or Euler's identity takes all of those constants and mixes them. And that's why it's so important. Its utility can't be underestimated, especially in studies such as quantum physics, which essentially wouldn't be possible without this. It wouldn't be possible without Euler's equation to understand really anything or to mathematically map anything in, in quantum physics because it's so essential to use what we call complex numbers. So it, 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 Euler's identity has such great, great um, utility. Now in Marg's video, The Soul Equation, he tells us that Euler's identity is the soul equation. His quote, when he tells us, I can tell you, I can reveal the, the exact equation of your soul. Gives you the feeling that you get a lot with pseudoscience, and it's one of familiarity mixed with complete disorientation. It's like waking up in your familiar bedroom, but every piece of furniture is stuck on the ceiling. The words Morg speaks when he says, I will reveal the exact equation of your soul. The familiar, I recognise all the words but I'm not entirely sure there's a reality in which they all fit together in a coherent sentence. Even if we consider the soul to be a physical object, if we choose to believe the soul exists, physical objects aren't described by a singular equation. It wouldn't make sense for me to point to a rock and demand a physicist gives me the exact equation of that rock. I could throw it, I could ask for an equation to define the facets of its motion. I could ask for an equation for its rest energy, for its gravitational energy, for its potential energy even. I could even ask for a chemical equation, which is a different uh, concept altogether. And which one of these is the equation of the rock? Marg tells us the soul's got nothing to do with mainstream religious bullshit or mystical nonsense. What he neglects to tell us, it is all to do with his new strain of mystical bullshit, his new religion. Oh, it's not mainstream, but it's definitely a religion. Mark tells us that Euler's identity is so profound because it maps out a perfect circle. But when we actually look at Euler's identity, it's not that surprising that it would do this. Essentially, what you're doing when you look at Euler's formula is you're stirring down one axis of a circle. What Mark neglects to mention when he talks his mystical bullshit about waves is that Euler's equation, because it's e to the pi- power i pi, has a period periodicity. So it's repeating, so it's natural that it would be a sine wave or a cosine wave, because you've got that repeating point every time, if you're measuring it in radians, every time you increase it by 2 pi, you're returning to the same point that you had 2 pi ago. Margarve doesn't understand this, or what I believe, he doesn't want you to understand this. He wants you to think that there's something mystical or magical about Euler's formula. Now, this isn't helped by the fact that if you Google Euler's Euler's identity, sorry, I should say, if you Google Euler's identity, you'll find physicists and mathematicians waxing lyrical about how beautiful it is, how it's semi-mystical. It can't be emphasised enough. This is because of its utility. Now let's just say for a, a second, we say, okay, this is mystical, this is not understood. What does the fact that it, that Euler's identity carves out a perfect circle, what's that got to do with your soul? Mark tells us that everything's composed of waves. This is something we hear quite a lot from pseudoscientists. It arises from the fact that waves occur in two ways in physics. We can map at the basic basic level. We can describe the motion of a particle using a wave function. And matter can oscillate as a wave. But these are two completely separate things. This doesn't mean that everything is oscillating as a wave function, which is often what you'll hear pseudoscientists tell us, that everything is a wave. That's not true. Things on a quantum physical level that we've not measured can be mapped as a wave function, and various phases of matter can oscillate as waves. This doesn't mean the two things are unique. Another thing that Morg does frequently throughout the video, the soul equation, is he equate matter and energy via the equation E equals mc squared, which I'm sure that all of you are familiar with. The problem with this is what Morg doesn't understand and what people who generally use this equation don't understand, such as ghost hunters, who use this to... Um, to support the idea of life after death, is that matter and mass are two different things. Energy is a concept we don't really understand. We know it's the property of matter. It's something that belongs to matter energy. It's intrinsic to matter. What quite it is, we're not sure. Mass is the same. It's a quantity that's intrinsic to matter. That's why we can look at mass and we can kind of convert it to energy via the equation E equals mc squared. They're both properties of matter, matter being made of particles. Now, when we get particle annihilation, when two particles annihilate, when a, an electron meets a positron and annihilate, when any form of antimatter meets a form of matter, we get energy. But the matter's gone; it doesn't exist anymore. It's been annihilated. You don't, you can't just convert from one to the other and switch willy nilly. This is what this is what Mark doesn't understand. It's what most pseudoscientists don't understand or want to conceal. Morg's main issue with science seems to be the fact that science relies on induction and empiricism to obtain results. Morg tells us that his system, Hyperionism, doesn't rely on such things. It relies on logic and mathematics. Now we've we've obviously seen already that Mark's idea of mathematics doesn't quite meet the standard of what a modern ma- mathematician would consider logic. Um, in fact, Mark adds layers onto mathematics that simply aren't present. But his misunderstanding of science goes deeper than this. So, essentially, it starts. Morg tells us that science should explain uh, existence and purpose. It's easy to counter this. Science isn't designed to tell you what your purpose is or why you exist. This is the job of philosophy or religion. If you choose to engage in those things, that is. If you need to be told your purpose, science makes no bones about it. Look elsewhere. Mark tells us people of every era think they've got everything figured out and the ideas of the past, as far as they're concerned with crazy. In the future, what we will consider science, he tells us, will be gone. It's fallacious to assume that because we've been wrong about things in the past, we must be wrong about things now. Many of the eras that Mark describes were before the development of the scientific method. It was the advent of science that allowed us to correct the misapprehensions of the past. Are we correct about everything now? Doubtfully. I'm sure we'll add to our knowledge. I'm sure we'll build upon the models we have now, just as we've done in the past since the development of the scientific method. Our models of reality will become refined. Problem Mark has is he doesn't understand the difference between refinement and replacement, as the next quote from his video, Science is the the New Irrational Religion, will establish. Mark tells us, classical mechanics was once considered absolutely correct. Today, it is known that classical mechanics is completely and utterly wrong, Mark tells us. It's been replaced by quantum mechanics. What is completely and utterly wrong is what Mark's telling us here. Classical mechanics hasn't been replaced by quantum mechanics, nor has classical mechanics been replaced by relativity. These systems are extensions of classical mechanics. They build towards classical mechanics. When we take the values of quantum mechanics and we, we build them up to, when we make a mass large enough or a high quantum number, we recover the laws of classical mechanics quantum physicists call this correspondence principle it's well known that when we approach the limits of quantum mechanics when we begin to diverge into the macroscopic world those laws are recovered they've not gone away it's the same for relativity when we when we reduce speeds down from that of light we begin to recover Newton's laws of motion again. This is something physicists know very well. The success of classical mechanics, which is something Mark really struggles to understand, which we'll get to in a minute, doesn't come from the fact that they were just fine models and they were mathematically. It comes from their utility. That's something that Mark will fail to show that Hyperionism has, It has no utility, while science is making development. What's Hyperionism giving us other than some weirdo on YouTube? Mark claims that science forgoes rationality in favour of knowledge gained through sense data. Hyperionism, he tells us, forgoes the inductive method, instead favouring a deductive method. There's no doubt that in most cases deduction is a safer way of ascertaining knowledge than induction. The problem is ultimately any assessment of reality must rely somewhere on induction and sense data. What Mark falls into here is the presuppositional apologetic style of argumentation adopted by some creationists in recent years, such as Saiten and He wants his method of data gathering to be extrasensory. So he can claim that it trumps science. But this requires him to claim he's got a method of acquiring data that's not delivered through the senses. This requires the claimant to regress the divine intervention, as, mathema- um, as ma- even mathematics must be assessed by the senses. Now, for Saiten Bruggenke, divine intervention also obviously comes from his Christian god. For Morg, divine intervention comes in the form of mathematics. So, whilst he's correct in his assessment of science using induction, this isn't necessarily a weakness. Even the most robust physical law, such as the law of thermodynamics, the first law of thermodynamics, sorry, um, is based upon induction. We can't know the law holds in every part of the universe. We can't know it's always held. We can only say that in all the cases we examine, the law is sound. This is called the axiom of uniformity of um, matter, or the the axiom of uniformity, sorry. If a scientific law holds here, it must hold there. If it holds now, it must hold then. To see how induction can be better than deduction, let's consider an example. Induction tells us Down syndrome sufferers possess a third copy of chromosome 21. We know this because, thus far, every Down syndrome sufferer we've examined has possessed this attribute. We've never found it in a subject who doesn't suffer from Down syndrome. Mark would argue that this system that operates on deduction, but without empiricism. So, deduction using logic alone would be, premise 1, Gary has a third copy of chromosome 21, Premise 2. All people with a third, a third copy of chromosome 21 have Down syndrome. Conclusion, therefore, Jerry has Down syndrome. That's great and it's correct, it works. But without empirical testing, which Mark condemns in science, how do we check that premise 1 and 2 are correct? In Hyperionism, the above the statement that I've just given you is as accurate as premise 1. Sam has blonde hair. Premise 2, all people with blonde hair have Down syndrome. Conclusion, therefore, Sam has Down syndrome. That's a perfectly logical statement, but it's wrong. Clearly, logic without empiricism doesn't necessarily lead to accurate models of reality, as we've got no way of verifying the premises. The premises, sorry. If we can experiment, if we can't experiment, sorry, it tells us nothing. Likewise, Morgue sacrifices the axiom of uniformity. A Down syndrome marker may be third third chromosome 21 today, but not tomorrow, and not yesterday. It might be a marker in Warrington, but not in Wichita. Morgue's main understanding of science is exemplified by the following quote. Just because science comes up, with material inventions does not mean that they, scientists, know the truth about reality. Just because science came up with smartphones and smartpads, I don't know what a smartpad is, uh, doesn't mean they know anything about reality. Sorry, Mark, but it categorically does mean that the utility of science is one of its main successes. The fact that we can develop smartphones. And smart pads, as he calls them, tells us that we understand something about reality. The fact that we can use the internet, the fact that we can use um, the electromagnetism to do something as simple as an automatic door, shows us that our, our models of reality are correct. They have utility, they've delivered an untold amount of innovation. Mark compares this innovation to a person praying for another person's recovery from an illness and said person who's been prayed for actually recovering. He says, that's nothing to do with the prayer. I agree. The subject's recovery is a correlated event. We can't possibly say that the invention of an iPhone was just correlated with the discovery of the microchip or the invention of the microchip. Its operation, Monk tells us, by extension, would be the same even if Maxwell hadn't successfully mapped out his equations describing the electromagnetic radiation, something that led us to a revolution in physics that occurred at the turn of the 20th century. Mark tells us, even though classical mechanics is one hundred percent wrong, again, no, Mark, you're one hundred percent wrong. It allowed to put us uh, to, it allowed us to put a man on the moon. It's difficult to know how to respond to that statement. I suppose with a question, Mark, how do you think we put a man on the moon if classical mechanics? is 100% wrong. And I'd point out also, Mog, by the time we'd put a man on the moon, we'd developed quantum mechanics, we'd also developed relativity. So your understanding of the history of science is as flawed as your understanding of the philosophy of science and any other aspect of science I've seen you discuss thus far. How do you think we've put someone on the moon? Has Hyperionism put anybody on the moon? Uh, have you? Is you, your reduction of epistemology to just pure logic and numbers, will that put someone on the moon? Something tells me, no, it won't. This is about as flawed as a claim could ever possibly be. Mark tells us, with supreme arrogance... makes you want to punch the screen if you know anything about any scientific discipline that science should develop a system based on mathematics mark if you ever studied physics do you have any idea the amount of mathematics that goes into studying physics one of the main criticisms i come across of physics is it relies too much on mathematics a physics student at the degree level is overwhelmed with math- mathematics. It, it, it's a common trope called "shut up and calculate" that applies to quantum physics. That the quantum physics student is overwhelmed with with, with mathematics. Um, physics is a system derived from mathematics. Physics is the physical application of mathematics to describe the world. And this isn't just reduced to physics. If you look at something like population growth in biology, it relies heavily on mathematical concepts like logarithms. Phys- science is built on mathematics. Science is the extension of mathematics. Mark um, frustratingly seems intent on claiming exclusivity for mathematics for what is essentially a crackpot religion. Next comes Morg's reduction to the science doesn't know everything argument. I'm not going to quote Morg directly because he sets up a very long-winded analogy about aliens and tables. I'm not kidding here. Go look at the source video. Um, to tell us that science isn't flawed because it hasn't described discovered everything yet. It's an argument we're all familiar with. Morg reels off a list of components of the table until he reaches the table's fundamental particles. Well, like a man driving towards a cliff top after he's ignored all the signs on the way, warning him of a drop, the reason Morg can reel off these ever minute components down to fundamental particles is because of the remarkable success of the scientific method. It's because physics is so robust that we know about the existence of these fundamental particles. We've probed deeper into nature than could ever be, be dreamed of the man who initially first proposed the idea of a final undividable state of matter, the atom. We've divided that state of matter. Theory and mathematical models have taken us further than the sculptor's blade ever could. Further than even the electron microscope could. And it will take us further still. The infinite regression that Maud gives us, one that's so loved by creationists, will become more and more lengthy as time goes on. It may always have... An aha drop-off point, where the Luddites can reel off names no longer and thus proudly boast that science doesn't know everything. But the point will take longer and longer to reach. Perhaps even long enough to make the dumbest journeymen realise how far science has taken them from their initial point. Maybe even realisation will dawn upon them that we do know a lot about reality even if we don't know everything. Mark tells us we can't account for what everything is made of, and thus we can't account for anything at all. Let's turn the tables on Mark here. What can you account for, Mark? What is everything made of? What does Hyperionism tell us everything made of? Maths? Circles? I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it. So we're in the same boat, except in the science boat. We've got wonderful things like the internet that you're using to stream your bullshit on to an audience who's buying it and streaming money to you via your Patreon account. Um, we've got models of reality that's got proven utility in our science boat. What's your boat got in it? Circles? Where's the results of your, your theory, mate? Where's the utility in Hyperionism? Mark quotes Max Planck during his video, as I mentioned, it's a common theme throughout his videos, he frequently quotes scientists and philosophers, designed in a way to lead viewers to believe they somehow support his view of the world. Mark tells us that Max Planck said, A new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents and making them see the light or rather because its opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up that is familiar with it. Mark, I'm going to counter that with a quote. Standing on the shoulder of giants, Mark. Physics, maths, they're built upon the achievement of past generations. What Planck was talking about wasn't replacing the old with the new. He was talking about perfecting the old. That science progresses one death at a time. Max Planck also told us, experiment is the only means of knowledge at our disposal. Everything else is poetry, imagination. I guess that Max Planck just called your bullshit, theory, hyperionism, Pure imagination, Morg. How about you stick that in your next video? Morg tells us, Hyperionism rejects scientific materialism. It's outmoded and outdated, Mark says. All while profiting from the advancement made by science. Doesn't he feel that's a bit hypocritical? I guess not, because hypo- hypocrisy comes naturally to Morg. In the video entitled, What Are Higher Entities? Mark condemns social media. He then urges his followers to like, comment, share and subscribe. In the same vlog, he contem- condemns the spending of money on fads. Consumers are dogs, he tells us. He then urges you to visit his Patreon, where at the modest price of $25, he'll shove a sword down his neck for you. For $250, he'll shove a sword down his neck for you, pull it out, and then send it to you in the post, which I'm not entirely sure is legal. Currently, 243 followers are paying Mark $1,777 per video. In fact, two followers of him are paying $250 per video, and I'm assuming they received their swords in the post. Hopefully they're listening to this. You, you two, who are paying him $250 per video. Listen to his higher entities video. He thinks you're his dogs. This is how Mark treats his audience. This is what makes me believe that he's no better than a cult leader. He promises his audience that he's going to lead them to some higher existence, some higher playing of knowledge. Mark condemns his critics. Mark condemns the people who don't understand his videos. He tells us that only people of the highest intelligence could ever understand his concepts. No. Only people of a low enough intelligence to be baffled by you, Mark, will buy this bullshit. In short, we should be very wary of Mark, as amusing as he seems. I think there's potential for genuine harm here. Mark's talking about the abandonment of science. And that isn't going to benefit any of us in the long run. Hyperionism isn't a system based on logic and reason. It's a cult based on the whims of a Marilyn Manson lookalike. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Um, It's a bit of an experiment, something that I'm trying differently. Not sure whether I'll stick to this format or not. What I would appreciate is your feedback, comments, anything you think I should do to improve. Maybe short form uh, form audio in future, maybe to mix things up a little bit. Or do you prefer me to focus on one subject for a longer time and discuss it? Please let me know. Give me any feedback. As Mark would say also, like, share, comment. And what was the other thing? I don't know. Visit my blog at skepticsboot.blogspot. Uh, sorry, skepticsboot.blogspot. Um, you can read all my past posts, including the stuff I've wrote about Morg, a lot of which is featured in this podcast if you want to, with some little funny pictures that I've put on there, which I really should have outgrown by now. Also, visit the rational paranormal at Facebook, and you can see my regular posts. I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast, and um, hopefully it's the start of many more. Have a good evening.